This morning's focus is wisdom in the midst of worries. And so I don't want you to think that I'm really going after moms because moms aren't the only ones who worry. Uh, dads worry too. Um, but that is going to be our focus. And I feel kind of hypocritical in preaching a message about wisdom in the midst of worries because you can ask my wife and the mother of our children that at times I do not handle stress, worries, anxiety, doubts, concerns, uncertainty very well. Uh, I, I tend to act like a child at times. I will admit that and confess that to you. I don't emotionally respond in tears because I'm a man. And so that's what I do. I, I, when I get frustrated, when things do not go according to my plan, the way I've perceived it to go out, I tend to get frustrated. My tone of voice tends to get a little bit deeper. And my wife has to look at me and like say, whoa, or what's your problem? Or just call me out for being a poo-poo head. So, uh, but I don't know how you handle it. We've all had to deal with worries. We've all had to deal with stress, uncertainties, doubts, fears, anxiety, questions. I don't know how you handle it because um, we all handle things a little bit differently. But this morning is to use the promises of God and the wisdom of God to combat our worries in life. I think some of us would prefer that when we have worries and those things that come up in life, that we would tend to react to them in this sort of manner. Bree, if you could throw that up there. We want to act like this when worries come. And see what happens. As you paint, you'll see all kind of things happening on your canvas, and very soon you learn to use all these beautiful little things that happen. I think in one of the earlier shows I mentioned, we don't, we don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents. And that way we want, ah, uh, it's not a mistake, it's a happy accident. Unfortunately, we don't tend to react that way, at least I don't. I tend to more react like this when things go not according to my plan. Maybe a little overreaction at times and screaming and yelling and, and feeling the pain of it. Um, but we want to act like Bob, right? Happy mistakes. You know, we just kind of go with the flow and, you know, it's all going to work out and, you know, don't worry, be happy. I, I don't know anybody actually whistles that song when they're in the midst of anxiety times and stressful times. But how do you handle it? There's obviously in Scripture a godly way to handle worries and stress and anxiety and doubts and concerns, and there's an ungodly way. And as we're looking at wisdom, we're going to see how Joshua dealt with worries that he was dealing in life. And even though the text may not come out and say that Joshua was worried, what I want us to see is the things Joshua did, his actions, and the words to which God spoke over Joshua that let us know some of the battles Joshua was going through is he's leading a group of people that are known for their rebellion into a, a place of God's promise that was filled with uncertainty. There was 
There were questions on how this was going to happen. What were we going to do? How is it all going to take place? And, and so we're going to look at Joshua's wisdom and how he battled his worries through that. We're in Joshua chapter 2, but for sake of this morning, we're going to be in a little bit of chapter 1, chapter 2, and also into chapter 5, because I want us to kind of get the heart of Joshua and the worries that he's dealing with so we can gather his wisdom. We're, we're on the shores of the Jordan River, okay? Joshua's going to lead Israel into the promised land, and one particular thing that is lying in wait in the promised land is the city of Jericho. In chapter 2, verse 1, Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, what is so significant about Jericho that Joshua is so focused on for this particular mission? Well, Jericho is located in the Jordan Valley, which had made it a very rich agricultural city. It's actually below sea level, and so there weren't rivers flowing into Jordan as much as the springs beneath the land were flowing up. So when you came to see Jericho, it looked like a very lush, rich area. Things would grow there, and so it was a city of wealth. It's known as the city of palm trees and acted as a natural border between the east and the west as the Israelites are coming from the east into the promised land. And though it is a physical location, the city of Jericho itself is a very symbolic city. It symbolizes the transition of the tribe of Israel as refugees into the tribe that was going to take the inheritance that God was giving them. Jericho represented a physical opposition to the promises that God had spoken to Joshua and over his people. It holds so much significance in the book of Joshua that the first five chapters of Joshua are prepping Israel for Jericho. And so Joshua is aware of this. He's aware of the encounter there. He's aware that this is the first city we're going to come across. He is aware that when we come to this city, it is imperative that we find success. Jericho was the gateway city into the promised land. As soon as Jericho would be taken, it would open it up to what is known as the King's Highway, which goes throughout the promised land. So Jericho was a very strategic city. And yet Joshua is aware of the people that he is leading. He is aware of their, their tendencies to have a lack of faith and a lack of trust and to rebel against God. He's aware that they fall to their worries and to their concerns. And they, they speak about wanting to go back to their comfort zones. And what they know is they frequently spoke of to Moses about wanting to go back to Egypt. Joshua understood that the mentality of the camp would be very fragile. If you look in chapter 1 and verse 16... I'm sorry, not verse 16, verse uh, 12 in chapter 1. When Joshua speaks to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, he does that because these two and a half tribes, two and a half, almost three tribes of the twelve, were desiring to stay on the east side of the Jordan River. So Joshua is aware that this mentality is within camp. This mentality of, we could just stay here. This is comfortable here. We're, we're fine here. We know we've got a nice plot of land. We could all dwell in this place, and it wouldn't be as difficult. But how do we know that Joshua is stressed? How do we know that he's worried? 
How do we know he has anxiety about what's going on? Well, in chapter 1, if you notice what God says to Joshua on several occasions, it's a phrase of be strong and very courageous. He says it in verse 6. He says it in verse 7. He says it in verse 9. He, God, comes to Joshua, the leader of God's people, and has to reiterate over and over again, you be strong and very courageous. Now, God doesn't say things for the sake of just saying things. There's a point that he has to say this to Joshua, that you need strength. You need courage. If you look in verse 9 of chapter 1, he specifically tells Joshua, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Do not be concerned. Do not be overwhelmed. Now, why would God have to say that to Joshua if that was not something Joshua was wrestling with? You come to verse 2, or chapter 2, and what we read in verse 1, we see that Joshua's concerned. Yeah, he was aware of the promised land, but his specific instructions to the spies that we looked at last week was to check out the land around Jericho, but especially you need to check out the city of Jericho. If you jump to chapter 5 in the book of Joshua, the very end of the chapter in verse 13, we're told that Joshua was by Jericho. He is investigating. He's taking a personal evaluation of this city. What we know is Jericho was on the heart and mind of Joshua. Why would he be so concerned about what was going to take place at this city? Well, we have to go back. He's the leader of a very rebellious group, people who had rebelled against Moses' leading, against the word of God. He knew what he was taking with them. And as they crossed the Jordan River, we're going to look at this in a couple weeks, the Jordan River was at high water at this point in time during the season. And so when they crossed through the Jordan River, it was a miraculous event, a lot like the Red Sea. But once they got across, they're trapped. The river's behind them and Jericho's in front of them. They are trapped. Jericho is a city with a wall and an army and a king. Joshua is a man who's trapped between a river and a fortified city and he's got a group of power walkers. How are we going to take this city? How are we going to take this land? If we can't find success here, how in the world are we going to fulfill God's promise? See, we, we have to understand Joshua, even though he has a book after his own name and his own leadership, even though you know, he's, he's eternalized in Scripture, Joshua was a human being just like you and me. Even though God had called him out, even though God had commissioned him, even though God had told him what he was supposed to do, Joshua still wrestled with the sinful nature which brings up fears and brings up worries and brings up concerns and doubts and questions. In chapter 5, when Joshua is inspecting the city, he was by Jericho, most likely just kind of doing a covert operation mission of himself. The Lord sends the commander of the army with specific instructions to Joshua to remind him that Jericho has been given into your hand in chapter 6, verse 1, and all of its kings and all of its men of valor. I think it's reassuring for me to know that a man like Joshua, who God had called out to lead a multitude of people, was worried about things at times. But what we see is the wisdom to which Joshua had to deal with those worries, because worries can weigh on us. Stress can stop us. Doubts can debilitate us. But when we allow the wisdom of God to speak over our lives and come out of our lives, it can destroy all these things if we trust it. How do we combat our worries? 
How do we combat our anxiety? Let's take a lesson of wisdom. What did Joshua do to combat these things going on in his life? Joshua's wisdom didn't let him react to his fear, but to rely on the promise of God. Joshua was obviously concerned. God said, don't, don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Be strong and be courageous. He had to remind him again as they crossed the Jordan River, I've given you this city. I've given you this land, all of its keen, all of its men of value. I have given these things to you. Yet Joshua is battling with these fear, but instead of reacting to his fear, he's relying upon the promise of God. Instead of reacting emotionally, he's trusting what God says. All of us in here are in danger of being emotional responders. You know, I'm not asking for a time of confession, but some of you, I'm guessing, are emotional eaters. Some of you all are emotional shoppers. Some of you all respond to things emotionally, verbally, which a lot of times lead to regret. Joshua is dealing with this fear to which the Lord says, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, Joshua. He was a human being, which in spite of God's promise and God's word over Joshua's life, Joshua still wrestled with what he could and could not understand. Joshua understood Jericho has a king. Joshua understood Jericho is a city with a wall that is fortified. Joshua understood that Jericho has an army that is trained for war. Joshua understood that within the camp he was leading, only he and one other individual had ever seen battle. Joshua understood that as soon as they crossed this river, the Israelite camp was going to be out in the open. They have no place of refuge, and yet the city of Jericho would have a place they could continue to go back to. Joshua understood that the Jordan River would trap them. There would be no turning back once we cross this river. We're there, and we're in it. Whether we succeed or not, we're there. Joshua understood that if we don't find success... It's going to be detrimental to the people that he was leading. It's going to be detrimental to his own heart. And if you don't believe that's true, just look what happened shortly after Jericho with the defeat of Ai. Yet despite what Joshua could understand, Joshua had God's word and his promise and the promise of God's presence upon his life. Even though Joshua may have been dealing with a sinful fear, the wisdom we see is that Joshua did not react to that fear, but instead he relied upon what God said. Joshua was being tested. And just like us, when our fears and worries come along, they test us to stop trusting what God has spoken to us, what God has said, what He has promised. Joshua had experienced when God has spoken over His people, and yet the people let their fears get the best of them, and they didn't trust God. It led to 40 years of wandering. Joshua had had experience when people fell to temptation, and had not trusted the God of eternity. Yet in this moment in Joshua chapter 1 through chapter 5, Joshua is not going to allow his worries and his wrestlings to stop him, but Joshua is going to rely upon a wisdom to react to God's promises that he was going to be faithful. And this is where we are when stress comes in life. It's when we show true wisdom. When you deal with worry, when you deal with anxiety, when I deal with it, when I deal with stress and uncertainty and doubts, and when things don't go according to Mike Hurchin's plan, that's when we actually show whether or not we have true godly wisdom and how we respond to that. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. 
And the parable is about when storms come in life and storms come upon those who have a foundation upon the rock and a foundation upon the sand. When worries come in life, what that reveals is those storms of worries and anxieties and doubts. They reveal where, in fact, we've been placing the foundation of our trust upon. And we find out whether those things will stand or not. And so our wisdom is actually seen when life gets tough. Anybody can sing praises to God when everything's good. Anybody can shout God's praises when everything's going according to plan. But when things don't go according to our plan, when we don't have the whole details, that's when we show what we're truly relying upon, whether it's ourself and our word or it's God and His word. The Bible tells us that in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our pain and doubts, that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Give us a summary from chapter 2 to chapter 5 of the book of Joshua. Here's what we find Joshua doing. Despite his fear, despite his being dismayed, despite God speaking to be strong and courageous, we find Joshua, in the midst of his worry, seeking God's guidance, seeking God's leadership concerning Jericho. And we find him waiting on God to the point he was not going to move until God showed up. She knows with Jericho that God had spoken God's promise and God's word to Joshua and to the Israel. But despite what God had spoken, we also should notice that God didn't give him the full plan. God came to Joshua and Israel and said, look, this is where we're going. This is where I'm taking you. This is my promise. We have to cross this river into the land to which I promised your, your forefathers, all the way back to Abram. For Joshua and Israel to show that they actually trusted God and God's spoken word over them, you know what they had to do first? They had to move. They had to leave Shittim, they had to go across the river, and they had to get into the promised land. What they did not get from God was, hey, and this is the full plan. Can you imagine what Joshua and the Israelites may have thought if they heard God's full plan on how they were going to take Jericho? You know that fortified city over there? Here's, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go over there, and since you've got a group of power walkers, I would just want you to walk around the city for seven days, and on the seventh day, just blow your horns as loud as you can, and there you go, there's the city. See, God's plan doesn't always make sense to us. But a lot of times for us to be in God's plan into God's promise, we have to follow the basic instructions, the first instructions that God's given us, which requires us to first move from where God finds us to where God wants us to be. And as we move and follow in faith and trust, what God does is He begins to unfold that plan so we begin to discover the, the bigger picture of it all. But a lot of us, if we had the full plan of God for our life, we wouldn't have moved in the first place because it's too much. Our fears would overwhelm us. We would actually talk with God like, God, I don't know if that's going to work. I bet Joshua would have said that. Yeah, I, I've sent spies to that city. I know that city. I've been to that city. I don't know that walking around it and then blowing horns on the seventh day is really going to work. But Joshua just was given the glimpse of God's plan that he needed so he could begin to move into faith and trust. Sometimes our worries overwhelm us where we don't even move. God has already revealed what he wants us to do or where he wants us to go. And what we want to do with God is like, well, can you give me 
what it's going to look like on every step of the way. But God doesn't do that for Joshua. As a matter of fact, he doesn't do that for anybody in Scripture. Jesus is the only one who knew how the whole plan was going to play out. And he was God in the flesh. We just did little bits because so, God knows that's about as much as we can handle at that moment. And when worries come in our life and fears and anxieties and doubts and concerns, what's going to happen is fear is going to begin to rise up. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Well, what do we do? We turn to what Joshua turned to, to the word of God spoken over us, that God is faithful. God promises his presence upon us. God will never leave us or forsake us. But also notice, Joshua, in his wisdom, did not ignore his worry, but he investigated it. I think sometimes we fall into the lie of Satan that if I worry, I must be doing something wrong. I must be sinning. I must be falling short. I must not be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Joshua obviously had worries. If he didn't have worries, God wouldn't have spoken over him the way he did. If he didn't have worries, he wouldn't have sent two spies to especially check out Jericho. If he didn't have worries, you wouldn't find him in chapter 5, at the end of that chapter, checking out Jericho himself. But Joshua did not allow his worries. He didn't ignore his worries, but he investigated them. He sought information. He sought to gain deeper understanding of them. He sought God's instruction on them. He sought inside for information about it. He did a personal evaluation with it. When it comes to our worries, where do we turn when we're bombarded by those worries? Do we turn to the Word of God? Do we turn to the Spirit of God? Do we turn to the people of God and the understanding of God? When you have a worry in your life, this is how you should fight it. It's not to ignore it like, well, I must be sinning because I'm worrying about this. It said when a worry comes for me to answer the call of Christ and seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, when a worry comes, immediately what I should do is I should stop. What does God's word say about this? What does God's word say about financial issues that I'm having, relationship issues I'm having, school issues I'm having, dating issues, hobbies, finances, parenting, family life, recreation, rest, worship, work, Retaliation, forgiveness, words to use or not to use, things to watch or not to watch, things to be involved in or not to be involved in, places to go or not to go, sickness, healing, prayer, all in God's Word. So when worries come, they give us the fuel we need to pursue after the God who knows. So you may have a worry coming up. You may have something going on. I mean, we may have mothers right now worried about their kids, their graduates, and they head off to school and what's going to be the next step for them. We may have parents who are worried about the next grade level that their kids are heading to or the next future step or, or kids that are becoming adults and, and worries. And we're bombarded by worries. It's not a sin to worry. It's a sin when we allow that worry to overcome us and overtake us and rule over us. When I have a worry in life, I tend to react emotionally, which never goes well. What I need to learn is when I have a worry in life is that I need to seek God's word in my life over that worry and allow God's word to rule that. Because this word will never fail. It will never come back void. Now that doesn't mean it's always going to be what you and I want to hear but it's always going to remain faithful. And so we seek to understand our worries through the Word of God because God promises in His words that my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are my ways are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than yours, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As God's children, we have access to this God whose ways and thoughts are far beyond our own. And He gives us not only access to that, He gives that as a gift to us through His Spirit, who gives us discernment and wisdom in the midst of our worries and our concerns, in the midst of the battles we go through. He gives everything we need for life and godliness. So in the midst of our worries, we say, well, He's faithful. He is faithful. I may not see it right now, but I know He's faithful. He loves me. I may not be feeling it at this moment, but I know He loves me. He's in control of this at this moment. I may not see how He's controlling it, but I know He is. He has a plan in this moment. I may not know that plan, but I know His Word says He has a plan and a purpose for my good. But I'm just in this moment where I can allow this worry to overrule me, or I can allow God's Word to rule over me. And Joshua, he didn't ignore it. He investigated it. And he investigated through the lens of God. Finally, we see that Joshua didn't run from his stress, but he released it. <clears throat> A lot of times when I get overwhelmed and stressful, I just want to kind of shut down. Um, I know Jason, is, uh, he shared about his own video game experience. And I'll, I'll confess to you, I play video games too. Um, so um, you can think of what we want, but judge not, lest you be judged. Uh, but one reason I do play video games, and I tell Jamie this, is I just need something where I don't have to think. I just, I just, and sometimes that's because there's so much going on in my heart, my mind, that I am worried and I am concerned, and I just want to not have anything that has any dire consequences. You know, if I die, eh, restart. Um, <clears throat> but my 40 years, almost 40 years of life, I, I'm still learning this to, to release that stress in, in healthy manners, in healthy ways. To not run from it or to ignore it, but to find the release that Jesus Christ gives me. Jesus came to this earth to take the sin of our sin upon himself and the sin of the world upon himself with the promise that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus promised us that we would have trials and tribulations and troubles in this world. He didn't shy away from that. But in the midst of that promise, he promised, but I've overcome them. Jesus was not unaware that you and I are going to go through moments of a lack of faith. I mean, he had Peter in the group, for crying out loud. And yet, Jesus remained faithful and continued to work with Peter to get Peter to where he needed to be. You and I are going to have things in life that are going to throw us off. Things are going to make us mad, frustrated, things that don't go according to our plan, things that are just going to make us worry that our mind is going to be overwhelmed with. Sometimes we just want to shut down and not deal with it. But we find Joshua, he, he did not have that option. Joshua couldn't say, well, but he had to release it. 
And the only place that Joshua could release it is the only place that we can release it, and that is into the presence and the promise of God. God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. It frustrates the tar out of me. But I trust you. And I don't know if you're like me, but here's the thing. I find in my own life, I'm more aware of God's promises over other people's lives than my own at times, especially in the midst of worry. My time in ministry, I have many times where I've been able to give counseling, even though I'm not a trained counselor, but sometimes just listening here. And in those moments, I'm, I'm so open to say, oh, you know what? God loves you. God has a plan for you. God is faithful. God is with you. He promised to never leave you, forsake you. His word says he has a plan and a promise for you, for your good and for your welfare. God is loving. He can't be anything but love. He is all-knowing. He knows how this is all going to work out. You know, God sees what you don't see. Just have faith. And I preach that and I preach that and, I, and in counseling and things like that. But when it comes to myself, and maybe you can relate to this, I tend to fail to see it in my own life as much as I want to preach it in other people's. I know you're going through a rough time, but you know what? God is good. I know you're stressed about this, but God says you don't have to be. All you have to do is seek Him first. But then in the midst of that, when I'm in it, this is my, just, my confession. When I'm in the midst of it, I'm asking God, where are you good in this? Where are you faithful in this? Where are you in control in this? How is this part of your plan? And I just need to release it. Because in the midst of that worry, in the midst of that battle, I'm given this promise that God isn't with me and that He's my shepherd. He knows my name. He knows the hairs on my head. And so I just release it into a trust of Him. And I come back here to Joshua and I think, okay, this is how I have to trust you. This is where I am in this moment. And this is what I know, and this is the promise I have. I don't need to know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't need to know how this is going to work out next week or next month or next year. I just need to release this day to you and know that you're going to be faithful to me in this day, and you're going to get me through this. And I don't need to know every detail. I don't need to know that I need to walk around the city for seven days and then toot a horn. I don't need to know that. All I need to know is that you have promised your presence to be upon me and your word spoken over me, and it never fails. That's all I need to know. So I'm going to release this. And when it comes to, to stir up in me, I'm going to go to your word and I'm going to seek out the truth and how to deal with it. Let's just be honest. Some of the worries we have in life is simply because we have not sought out the word of God to begin with. And so we're reaping what we've sown. We not handle our, our finances the way God instructs us. We not handle our marriages and our families the way God instructs us. We've not raised our kids the way God instructs us. We've not been seeking after God the way He instructs us. And so a lot of things that tend to prop up worries are simply because we haven't been following this in the first place. So you may be here in the midst of a worry, an anxiety, a trouble, a doubt, an uncertainty. And in this moment, what God is doing, He's not calling out to rebuke you. He's calling out in this moment to call you into His presence 
that whatever you're going through, know that I have given you my word for everything that you could possibly worry about. Trust me. Trust me. We're going to get across this river. And we're going to knock down these walls that you think cannot be knocked down. And we're going to bring the city to its knees that you think is impossible. But you've got to trust me in this moment before we can get to that one. The Bible tells us this is what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, we give the definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Our assurance is where we place our worries. The word assurance means our foundation. And so our assurance of things hoped for, our assurance is in the foundation of the Word of God. The word conviction means to prove. So we rest our worries on the Word so we can prove God's faithfulness by living and trusting the Word through our actions. So our faith has a foundation of assurance to move us to a conviction of faith in action. Here again, our assurance, this is what faith is, it is a foundation of assurance to move us to a conviction of faith in action. This is why James says in the Bible that faith apart from works is dead. It's because my faith in God and faith in God's word and faith in God's promises and faith in God's promise, presence, my faith, my assurance in that foundation is to be seen in how I live in response to what God has already said. God has already told Joshua, I have given you this land. In chapter 6, he tells Joshua again, I have given you this city. So my assurance is what God has already spoken, and by faith I live out that conviction in action. We're all going to have fears, we're all going to have worries, we're all going to have stress, but how we respond to those moments reveals our true wisdom. If we rely on the promise of God, invest in God's wisdom on the matter, and then we release it into God's power, allow Him to be in control of that situation, knowing that He is faithful, He is in fact good, even if we're not feeling it at that moment, we show we have true wisdom beyond this world that are not the ways of this world. You may be here this morning, though, and, and your worry isn't necessarily in the next step like today or this afternoon. You're probably not worried about what you're going to eat later. Some of you all already know. You've already planned that in your head while I've been talking. But some of you all may be here this morning, and you do have a worry like Joshua and where you're going. You're not sure what happens when this life is over. You're not sure, you know, Am I going to go to heaven when this life is over? What is after this life? Well, the Bible, God's Word says that when this life is over, every individual, no matter nationality, ethnicity, age, is going to be divided up into two groups. One group that's going to be welcomed home, that's what the Bible refers to as heaven. And one group that's going to be told to be removed from the presence of God and be taken to a place where the Bible calls hell. The Bible is very clear. There are two places where people go when we die. It's either heaven or hell. 
the Bible is also very clear that there is only one way and one access into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. So it's not about good works. It's not about doing good things. It's not about whatever. It's only found through Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so if you're here this morning and you're unsure about, you know, I don't know, if I were to die today, I don't know if i go to heaven. God has brought you in this moment to release that worry upon His Son, Jesus Christ, who paid for that ransom. The Bible says, when I admit that I fall short, that I wrestle with worries, and I sometimes do things stupid out of those worries, that's what the Bible calls sin. And I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross. They placed him to me and rose three days later that I could be completely forgiven. The Bible says I'll be saved. But I have to confess that and make it be known. If you're here this morning and that's something you want to make sure you get taken care of, I'm going to invite you to come down and say, Hey, Pastor Mike, I want to make sure I'm saved. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like me. and You've got things going on in your life that are just bombarding your mind and your heart and Satan just keeps throwing them at you. And you just need to come and release that to the Father because you know in those moments you haven't really been trusting His all goodness. You believe it though. Watch this. God is good all the time. Even in the midst of your worry. Maybe you just need to come and apologize to God for not trusting Him in this moment but allowing the unknown to overwhelm you. He's got it. He can handle it. He can handle it. Maybe just kind of a confession of faith. Lord, I want to trust you in this moment. Help me to have that faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't know, but now's the time to respond. I'm ask Jackson to come up and lead us. If you need Jesus, your Lord and Savior, I'll be down here. If you just want to come and kneel before the Father... Welcome you to come. If you want to grab someone next to you, maybe your spouse, because you're battling with something, bring them down and kneel before the Father. But let's respond in this moment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a God who is in control. Lord, your word begins from the very get-go, that in the beginning you created the heavens and the earth. And if you can do that simply by speaking it into being, we know that you are an all-powerful God that can take care of all of our worries and our doubts and anxieties and our questions. We know that anything that we're wrestling with in this moment, your word tells us that you've already seen it. You're fully aware of it. You're fully aware of how we've responded. It hasn't surprised you in one bit. And what we're going through isn't surprising you in this moment. Lord, I praise you that with everyone that's wrestling in this moment and being overwhelmed, that, Lord, you see the full picture. You know how it's all going to end. So help us to remain faithful in the midst of the worry. Help us to investigate your word. Help us to seek after your face. Help us to wait upon you before we react and respond, Lord. Help us to seek your word, to speak its truth, its only truth over our life, that we might live it out. Lord, help us to be faithful. Forgive us in those times where we haven't been, where we've responded in ways that just kind of relieve the pain. But I haven't been trusting you. 
I think in this time and this place, you bring us all together with all of our mess. We might rely upon one another. We might rely upon your spirit. We might rely upon your presence. Father, we are truly not alone in this place. Thank you for loving us that much. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that do not know you as your Lord and Savior. They have they've yet to come in that relationship. Lord, that you would just reveal that. That their heart would just come to full understanding. They would be certain of their salvation. Lord, I thank you for your word. You promised us numerous times and in numerous places that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you are with us right now, even though many of us may be going through that valley. Lord, you are good. We praise you. And let us come this time where we are doers of your word and not hearers only. We praise all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I invite you to come. I invite you to stand.